What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoop Heads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, At the Buzzer, and Cavaliers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. That game was straight up bad. Um, a lot of the concerns that I talked about like throughout the whole entire season were kind of at the forefront of this game. Um, like The Wizards just straight up were bad. They kind of got a lot of their weaknesses exposed. And like I don't know when you have that much low-hanging fruit for a team like the Washington Wizards and you come out and you like don't have a great shooting night. It's going to be really ugly. Um, and so I'll be really, really interested to see how Scott Brooks approaches the next game with all the weaknesses that this general Wizards team has have. Um, but I'll get into all that um, throughout this podcast. Um, the Wizards just lost to the Celtics 118 to 100, um, but pretty much the entirety of the second half wasn't that close. Like with seven minutes and 22 seconds left in the third, the Celtics had a 92.5% chance to win. They went on a big run, like right when the third quarter started. Um, and at that point, it was basically over. Um, I'm not going to go through the Boston Celtics team stats because uh, I did go over that a lot in the preview podcast that I did. Um, but I will reference that podcast a couple times throughout this because like some of the stuff I said um, may or may not have happened. And um, yeah, I'll go over that. Um, but kind of just an embarrassing offensive performance from the Wizards. Um, their offensive rating in this game was 99, which is in the 0th percentile per cleaning the glass. Um, that's embarrassing. That's god-awful. Um, the Boston Celtics offensive rating was 116.8, which is in the 67th percentile. That's um pretty high um the wizard effective field percentage was 45.6 also in the zeroth percentile per cleaning the glass um the celtics was at 47.4 in the 33rd percentile um which isn't very good um they still have a very positive offense rating that was because of their free throw rate was at 21 28.1 in the 100th percentile and their offense rebound rate was at 35 percent in the 100th percentile per cleaning the glass and their turnover rate was at 10.9 percent which is um a pretty good number. Um, Wizards turnover rate was 15% in the 33rd percentile. Offensive rebound rate for the Wizards was 28.8%, which is in the 33rd percentile. And the free throw rate for the Wizards was 18.7%, which is a good number. Um, but yeah, like, okay, so uh, before I get really, really into 
what I think. Um, I'm going to go over some of the box score numbers um, from this game. So Bradley Beal um, had he played 36 minutes at 22 points, um, 10 25 from the field, th- one of six from three, one of two at the free throw line. Um, was minus 20 in those 36 minutes. So 22 points coming on, 26 shooting possessions, very inefficient. Um, Russell Westbrook played 37 minutes, had 19 points, 14 rebounds, five assists. Did I say 20 points? Um, and then he got to the line eight times, actually made eight free throws, but six of 18 from the field. So 20 points coming on 22 shooting possessions, inefficient night for him. Rui Hachimura played 17 minutes and had five fouls. Alex Len only played 12 minutes. It was minus 15 in those 12 minutes. It was two for eight from the field. Most of those on pretty much bunnies. Um, how Neto played 17 minutes was over two. Um, he's coming back from an injury. Like he clearly wasn't ready. Um, Let's see. Bertans, minus 23 in 33 minutes, was 1 of 8 from the field, 0 of 7 from 3, 2 of 2 at the line, scored 4 points. Um, Robin Lopez played 60 minutes, was 2 of 5 from the field, um, actually plus 6. Good for him. Um, Daniel Gafford only played 21 minutes in this one. Like, what are we doing? What are we... I, I'll, I said I'll get into the later, but come on now. Um, Ishmith played 26 minutes. One Like, the only bright spot for the Wizards, let's be honest here, was Ishmith. Um, 17 points, 6 of 8 from the field, 4 for the line, um, 8 rebounds, um, and 3 assists. And Garrison Matthews only played 12 minutes to my disappointment. Um, also, Isak Bonga was the only Wizards player to get a DNP coach's decision, um, which is also very disappointing to me. Um, also, where is Caleb Holmesley on the roster? Like, what is up with that situation? Anyways, <laughs> um so obviously for the Celtics, Jason Tatum played 41 minutes, had 50 points, was plus 25 in those 41 minutes. Um, so when he was off the court for seven minutes, the Celtics were minus seven. Um, but 50 points coming on 14 to 32 shooting, five of 12 from three, and 17 of 17 at the line. So 50 points coming on um, 40 and a half shooting possessions, which is super, super efficient. Um Kemba Walker, who I talked a lot about on the preview pod, um, he had 29 points, was plus 17, um, only two assists, seven rebounds. Um, he was 10 to 24 from the field, six to 14 from three, and three to three at the free throw line. Um, first of all, just super quickly, if you're letting Jason Tatum shoot 12 threes and Kemba Walker shoot 14 threes, what the heck are you doing defensively? Um, but that's that's uh, I'm gonna keep going. Um, but yeah, that that's bad. So Kemba Walker, 29 points on. Um, a pretty solid, efficient 25 and a half shooting possessions. Um, that's pretty much it for the significant, um, subjects guys. Those two players combined for 79 of their 118 points. Um, like Tristan Thompson at 12 points. He was actually really, really good off the bench for them. Um, when Robert Williams went down, I think he re-aggravated, he must've re-aggravated that turf toe, um, which, you know, is a, it's, it's, it can be rough. Um, like Marcus Martin only had seven points, but obviously he's mostly out there for defense. Evan Fournier, ball mover. Uh, I thought he had a pretty nice game, but he only had eight points. Um, but like played hard, played good defense, made all the right rotations, made all the right reads offensively, spaced the floor. Like I, I really liked his overall game. Um, like Aaron Naismith played, Neesmith, um, played 14 minutes. Um, Romeo Langford played 14 minutes. Um, like Peyton Pritchard played five minutes. Um, I think only three of those were like actual minutes. Um, so yeah, like Luke Cornette played four minutes. Um, so yeah, okay, let's start. Let's start to know how the Wizards guarded Tatum. Um, in the preview podcast, I talked a lot about, um, how the Wizards are going to defend the superstars in, um, Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum. I thought the one that would be trickier to defend was Kemba Walker. Um, because I feel like for the Wizards, it's harder to find a guy to guard Kemba Walker. I assume that the Wizards were going to put Rui Hachimura on Jason Tatum and then um, kind of put Howell Neto on Kimball Walker. Obviously, Howell Neto wasn't good to go, so then that kind of... Um, it, it made the matchups a little bit harder. Um, 
but the big mistake that I just don't understand at all, like I will never, ever, ever understand, um, is putting Bradley Beal on Jason Tatum the whole entire game. That is the stupidest decision. Like that is so stupid. Like I cannot, I, I just cannot comprehend how like stupid that was. And to put him on Jason Tatum the whole entire game for the whole entire time Jason Tatum was in as he was scoring on his way to scoring 50 points on incredible efficiency. He, Scott Brooks kept Bradley Beal on Jason Tatum. Like, first of all, Bradley Beal on Jason Tatum is a garbage matchup anyways. Just because they're both from St. Louis and just because Bradley Beal, like, hung out with Jason Tatum when he was a baby at volleyball practice, like his mom's volleyball practice, whatever garbage, that doesn't mean that he should be guarding him in a playing game that matters. This is to get into the playoffs. You don't want to be playing a single elimination game against the, a Pacers team that just won by 40 points. Like, you don't want you don't want to be putting this. It's winner, like... It's winner go to a single lim- elimination game and you do this garbage thing just because both these guys went to Shamanot High School and they both are from St. Louis and they know each other and they train together. Like, whatever garbage. That doesn't mean that Bradley Beal should guard Jason Tatum. That makes zero sense. That is so stupid. Um, and then you combine that with the fact that Bradley Beal is injured. Like, Bradley Beal is coming off a hamstring injury. He still clearly was not 100% tonight. So why would you have him exerting so much energy trying to defend Jason Tatum? And then also, Bradley Beal is six foot three. Jason Tatum is six foot eight and a half. He's just shooting open shots whenever he wants. And Jason Tatum, no offense to Bradley Beal, but Bradley Beal is a pretty, like, skinny guy. Like, Jason Tatum is a lot stronger than Bradley Beal. Jason Tatum can just get his position wherever he wants and just shoot right over him whenever he feels like it. And then combine that with the fact that the Wizards are switching. So the Celtics could just run any action they feel like and get Jason Tatum switched on to whatever action he wants. If he wants to go at Russell Westbrook, just go set a screen. If he wants to go at Jason Ishmith in the post, just have whoever Ishmith's man is, just go set a scene for, screen for Jason Tatum off the ball. Have him go in the post and give him the ball. It's as simple as that. Like, if you want him to go against Rui Hachimura, then they could do that too. Want him against Westbrook? They could do that whenever they feel like it. If they want him attacking downhill against a wizard set, center, just set a screen. The Wizards' help sucks. Like, it, it, this gameplay made no sense. It made zero sense. And you had two days. You had two days to think about what you were going to do. And you decided to put an injured Bradley Beal, who's 6'3", onto Jason Tatum. It was, it was stupid. It was straight up stupid. It did not make any sense whatsoever. And then same thing for guarding Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker didn't play quite as well. He missed a lot of shots he easily could have made. Um, he missed a lot of finishes around the rim. He easily could have made. He easily could have had like 30 to 35, 40 points in this game. Um, the Wizards straight up got lucky with how many shots Kemba Walker missed. But there's no way Kemba Walker should ever be able to get 14 threes in a game. He should not because you have to run him off the line. If you if Kemba Walker finishes against your center five times, that's fine. You live with that. But if he shoots 14 threes on all relatively pretty good attempts, what the heck are you doing? Why are the Wizards dropping against Kemba Walker? Why are they switching? Why are they? Why would like how does Bertans ever end up on Kemba Walker? That doesn't make any sense. How can you switch that matchup? If you're going to hard hedge like you've been doing all season, then hard hedge. Tell your guard to recover. It's not that hard. It's it's like no thought went into that. That was like a regular season game plan. Like if you do that in the regular season, I would sit here and say, okay, it's the regular season. You had a one day turnaround. Like it's not that big a deal. It's one game out of 72, but this is a serious game. If you get, if you win this game, you have a 100% shot at the playoffs. If you lose, you have, like, it's like a 50-50 proposition, right? You're like 55-45, however, however you want to weigh home court advantage. But that's a massive difference. It's a super serious game. And Scott Brooks, just he flubbed it. He straight up flubbed it. Like he's 
that was a terrible game plan coming in to guard those two guys. It didn't make any sense. Why are we dropping against Jason Tatum? Why are we switching against Jason? Like, none of that made any sense. And why aren't we doubling? Why aren't we throwing different looks at him in the pick and roll? Like, the big was not coming up high enough. If the big came up high enough, Jason Tatum was just turning the corner anyways. Where is the weak side help? Why aren't, like, you throw a different coverage out there? Like, why are we just using the same exact coverage with the same exact man defender on Jason Tatum the whole entire game? Like, at a certain point, do you want to, like, hard hedge? How about put Daniel Gafford out there who could actually move his feet? Yeah, he had four fouls but you're down by 20 points you have to put someone out there who has a chance you have to play the game to win why is Alex Len out there at all Alex Len doesn't give you anything he doesn't give you anything offensively or defensively that Robin Lopez or Daniel Gafford can't give you it doesn't make any sense put Daniel Gafford out there give you more scheme versatility hard hedge a screen blitz the screen do something Jason Tatum in the post why aren't we sending hard doubles especially if Romeo Langford's in the game if Romeo Langford's in the game send a hard double if Aaron Naismith's in Naismith's in the game Aaron Naismith didn't like did he hit a shot in this game Aaron Naismith was he was one for four from three. Aaron Smith did not look good at all. I know that he's supposed to be able to shoot, but like, wh- am I letting Jason Tatum work against Ish Smith in the mid post? What the heck are we doing here? Why? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. And like, it's it's so frustrating. Like, there's no way that Romeo Langford and Semi Ojale should be able to play in this game alongside Jason Tatum and have Jason Tatum just go to work against Bradley Beal or Ish Smith or Russell Westbrook or Garrison Matt. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like you have to do a certain threat assessment in the in this situation in a playing game that Scott Brooks like Brad Stevens did a phenomenal job of this. Yeah, okay, Bradley Beal drives. Guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna send whoever's guarding Ish Smith to come help really, really hard. We're gonna send whoever's guarding Russell Westbrook. Whoever's guarding Russell Westbrook is not actually gonna guard Russell Westbrook if he doesn't have the ball. That makes that's hundred percent what a normal coach would do. What Scott Brooks did in this game was just it was nonsensical. It didn't make it was didn't make any sense. Like, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating to watch. And like Look, if you're going to help off someone, how about Marcus Smart? Marcus Smart's one for five from three. Marcus Smart has historically been a chucker who doesn't make a ton of shots. Um, I, like, I'm a huge Marcus Smart guy, but if you're going to help off someone, like in, in the lineup of Jason Tatum, Kevin Walker, Evan Fournier, um, Marcus Smart in a center, you can help off Marcus Smart. And why don't you use Russell Westbrook? Russell Westbrook's strong. He can jump. Have him help. Or it doesn't even matter. Whoever's guarding Marcus Smart, just come help. Come cover the backside. How do we not practice this on Monday? How do we not walk through this for like an hour today, like during warm-ups? It doesn't make any sense. The game plan sucked. It sucked. Um, and that's why the Wizards lost. So <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. Like the the defense was just so so bad. I haven't even, I haven't even started on the offense. Like the offense was just terrible. The, I, like I said before, they're in the zeroth percentile in terms of offense. Um, what? How? <laughs> how could you be in the zeroth percentile in terms of offense in a playing game? Um, the Wizards shot got twenty five percent of their shots at the rim. They made seventy six point two percent of their shots at the rim. Getting twenty five percent of your shots at the rim is in the zeroth percentile. Seventy six point two percent of on accuracy is in the one hundredth percentile. They couldn't get to the rim because they were playing guys that can't shoot. Normal teams don't play more than one non shooter. The Celtics at times are playing two, and that's because they are so limited in terms of their rotation with Jalen Brown out. Um, normal teams don't do that. Um, most teams at most will play one non shooter, and that's normally going to be their center. Um, the Wizards at times were had three or four non-shooters out there. Why is Chandler Hutchison ever in the basketball game? Why did Chandler Hutchison play 10 minutes in this basketball game? What does he give you? 
He gives you like weak side rotations and some length. He doesn't give you anything else. Chandler Hutchinson can't shoot. He can't score outside of two feet from the basket on a cut. If the paint, like you need more spacing around Russell Westbrook in a play in a situation where the other team actually has time to game plan and they have a good coach that will game plan against you, you need spacing. And how do you, you mostly create spacing with shooting. You can create spacing with cuts um, as multiple people have pointed out, but you, at the end of the day, if no, if your guy can't shoot, then it's really, really hard to create space. If you have three non-shooters, how do you create space? If you have Rui Hachimura, not getting guard on the perimeter. Russell Westbrook, not getting guard on the perimeter. Ish Smith does not get guard on the perimeter. Um, Chandler Hutchinson does not get guard on the perimeter. And then obviously all three centers can't shoot at all. Um, how do you generate looks for Bradley Beal? How do you generate easy ones? Bradley Beal is relatively reliant on tough shot making, um, but he still can get some easy looks because of how good he is. Um, like just using, like he has an incredibly functional handle. Um, he's great at using his like change of pace, like first step, all that kind of stuff. And he's great just with his horizontal athleticism. Obviously some of that is taken away with a hamstring injury. Um, but he couldn't get any easy looks because he was just getting collapsed on because the wizards are playing three non-shooters next to him. It's not, it's like just not fair to him. Like how he can't, how can he possibly get good looks if the defense is collapsing every time he drives? And like, look, Bradley Beal is not like a great passer. He's, he can make the easy reads. He's not proactively, like he can make the reactive read to like the reactive kickout. Um, but if the reactive kickouts to Ish Smith or Russell Westbrook, and it's just a record scratch, like that just kills the possession. Um, and that allows the Celtics to do a lot of switching too. Like the Celtics have multiple guys, like a lot of, first of all, Marcus Smart did a really, really good job on Bradley Beal um, defensively. Like, Marcus Smart's an awesome on-ball defender. He's top-locking Beal all over the place. Like, Marcus Smart's not the type of guy that you want guarding you if you have a hamstring injury. But Evan Fournier did a really good job on Beal. Um, and, like, the would, like even, like, Robert Williams um, coming up to the level of screen. Um, hounding Bradley Beal, he did a really good job. Tristan Thompson did an awesome job of that tonight. Luke Cornett sucked at that when he played four minutes. Um, but, like, the Celtics game plan, it made sense. Um, Forced Bradley Beal into taking tough shots. If he makes tough shots... You, you, you'll walk away and you'll live with that. Um, but you're not going to live with Bradley Beal cooking you in the lane. Um, you're just not. And, like, he didn't. Um, I want to pull up Bradley Beal's shot chart. Um, and just you wait. I will get to Russell Westbrook. But I want to start um, not as... Well, I started pretty negative. Uh, I cooled off a little bit. That was... Man, I, I just recorded this. Uh, I started recording this right after watching that. That was, like, the most frustrating game of basketball I've ever watched. But anyways, um, Bradley Beal. So his shot chart... Um, he got three shots inside the restricted area, made all three of them. He was five for 10 from inside the paint, outside the restricted area, one for six from mid-range, um, one of four above the break three, and then 0-1 from corner three. Um, and these were tough shots. Like his six major jump, jump, jumpers, normally he's going to make more of those, but those were tough looks. Um, you cannot make a living off super, super tough looks with guys like Marcus Smart all over you, guys like Evan Fournier all over you who do have some size and length. Um, it's just really, really tough to play with play like that so if you're scott brooks you got to get some actions where um bradley beal is getting like run some empty side stuff run some more stuff with some more side ball screens like um but then you get to a point where if you run a side ball screen like the celtics can, are coming up the level or the celtics um like they're icing those like and then what do you do against that like then all of a sudden you have like a couple mobile bigs and tristan thompson and um robert williams who are playing like really well like really good defensive basketball um and it's it's really tough for beal so eventually at a certain point he kind of has to fall back on his tough shot making and shots just weren't falling for him like that's going to happen sometimes especially when you're coming off an injury trying to gauge like it it does kind of mess with how you like step into shots how you like bradley beal uses the hop a lot too like that can kind of change how that works um I don't know. I've never really had a hamstring injury, so like I don't really know how much it affects you. But like my understanding of it, it 
is it that it really, really affects, it can affect your burst and it can affect just your straight line speed. Um, and you can kind of feel that a little bit with Bradley Beal, like not being able to turn the corner against, like maybe like usually a guy like Tristan Thompson, like if he tries to come to level screen, that's kind of a guy that Bradley Beal would be able to turn the corner against. But again, like even if he did get a shot like that, like the Celtics' weak side rotations were really, really sound. Like having Evan Fournier, having Jason Tatum, like those guys on the weak side were really sound. Or like even Jason Tatum on the ball against Bradley Beal, that's a whole lot of length. That's a whole lot of size. Like that's tough to play against. Um, but yeah, like, just just frustrating. Um, so let's talk about Russell Westbrook. Um, before I really get into Russell Westbrook talk, I want to go over his shot chart. He got seven shots at their, inside the restricted area, which is a good number. Um, and he made four. Four for seven inside the restricted area. I'm cool with that. One for four um, inside the paint, outside the restricted area. One for three from mid-range and 0 for four from above the break three. Um, basically every concern I've talked about throughout Russell Westbrook throughout this, like I, I would bet that someone that listens to this podcast, a lot of things that I'm really hard on Russell Westbrook. This is kind of why I'm so hard of, on Russell Westbrook, because in a situation like this, like a playoff level situation, playoff level stakes, um, Russell West, Westbrook tends to be a guy who you can easily game plan for because of his, like, so like his flaws that are so obvious. Um, Russell Westbrook cannot shoot. I talked about this a lot in the preview. Like he straight up can't shoot. He's not a good shooter. Um, so when teams game plan for him, um, they can just put a bigger guy on him, just kind of lay back in the paint a little bit, have that guy play free safety. If the guy is like Jason Tatum or Marcus Smart or even Evan Fournier, who's a really, really, really smart off-ball defender, um, they're going to have an easy time playing free safety, like blowing up every single action, helping really hard on the other best players, helping really hard in pick and rolls, blowing up those actions. Like, and then it's just really, really hard when you have a clogged paint, you have someone playing free safety, just not respecting the guy at all. And then when Russell Westbrook does get on the ball, they're kind of just baiting him into shooting. They're just going to back up, say, okay, shoot. And guess what? Like, come at me. Um, I'm ready. I'm big. Like, I'm bigger than you. I'm longer than you. Like, if you try to jump at me, like, I, I can contest your layup. And if you make a layup over me, I'm going to live with that. Um, and that's the bet that the Celtics made in this game. And it's a great bet um, because Russell Westbrook was terrible tonight. He was awful. Like I said before, 6 of 18 from the field, 0 4 from 3, got to the line eight times, which is a good number. But he killed the Wizards spacing because he cannot shoot. Um, he was not pushing the ball in transition. The Celtics, again, like one, like I said in the preview, once you get to the level of the playoffs, normally teams are better at getting back in transition and picking up. Um, the Celtics did this, and Brad Stevens has always been a really, really good coach at coaching how to get back in transition. If the Wizards are so reliant on transition normally, they were going to struggle in a game like this if they could not find a way to score in the half court, which they could not. They could not at all. Um, and their transition... Uh, oh, actually, well, clean the glass does have a stat for this. So Wizards frequency of transition um, was 23% and their points per play on transition was 90. 90 points per play on transition is in the zeroth percentile. So again, like the Celtics do a great job of getting back on defense and picking up and not letting the Wizards create those advantages that they normally do with someone like, like it's normally like Russell Westbrook um, pushing the ball down like the throats of like guards and he's just killing them because he's so much more physically imposing, so much more athletic, so much stronger than most guards. Um, but the Celtics, they don't really go after that many offensive rebounds. Um, like they got a ton of offensive rebounds tonight, but at the same time, they're like making a lot of shots. Uh, who got who got all those? I'm curious. Um, Tristan Thompson has six offensive rebounds. Uh, Tatum had two. Yeah, so like the Celtics don't really go after a ton of offensive rebounds. Like Tristan Thompson is just a really really phenomenal rebounder. Um, but again, like if you get back and 
on defense. You have like some size and some length. The guys like Robert Williams, like again, Jason Tatum. You have Marcus Smart, who's just an awesome defender. Like Kemba Walker, he doesn't have great tools, but he he uses what he has really, really well. Like even like Aaron Naismith, like Naismith, I keep making that mistake. Um, and Romeo Langford, um, like you know, having those guys get back and just like set up your defense and protect the paint and like if four shots, like the Wizards kind of struggled. Like they could not get anything in the half court. The Wizards, um, let's see. I think that's also his half court. So in the half points for playing the half court, um, the Wizards score, um, scored 84.3 um, points per 100 plays in the half court, which is, again, in the zeroth percentile. That's awful. Um, and a lot of that, like Russell Westbrook just was terrible tonight. He couldn't get anything offensively. He couldn't get into the rim. He couldn't. He wasn't a great playmaker because, again, a lot of his playmaking is derived from either pushing the ball in transition or really getting into the rim or just like – um, through improvis- improvisation, through set plays. Um, none of that was working for him. He wasn't doing any of that. He just didn't look like he was attacking at all. Um, Marv said that maybe he was maybe he was sick. I, I'm not going to speculate on Russell Westbrook's sickness. I'm just going to judge based on the game I saw, and he sucked. Um, and that's kind of like, it's the low-hanging fruit with Russell Westbrook. How does he respond to teams um, just picking the crap out of that low-hanging fruit? Because that's what they're going to do once you get to this stage. Like, they're just going to, like, they know what you are at this point in your career. Um, like everyone knows it. Like if I were a coach coaching an NBA team, that's exactly what I would do. I would have done the exact same thing the Celtics did. Um, that's what every team at this point is going to do. That's what the Pacers are going to do. Like I would, like I would bet that the Pacers are going to put something like O'Shea Brissett, just stick him on Russell Westbrook and have like he's pretty toolsy. He has he's pretty good um, as a weak side help defender. Just have him blow up every single action for the Wizards. Um, and just like let Russell Westbrook shoot, bait him into shooting. Um, I assume that's what every team is going to do. And if the Wizards win the next playing game, that I guarantee, I would bet, or if I were Doc Rivers, I would one thousand percent just have Ben Simmons absolutely demolishing every single Wizards action by having him guard Russell Westbrook and just playing free safety the whole entire game, and just have him blow up the whole entire game, have the Wizards just not be able to score at all. The Wizards, if they want to have any sort of success in the playoffs or any sort of success in the next game against the Pacers, they have to 100% be able to figure that out because that was a disaster with Russell Westbrook on the floor. It was, the offense was terrible. Um, so also like Alex Len getting 12 minutes, what are we doing? Daniel Gafford has to play more. Um, Daniel Gafford, I, again, I'm lower on Daniel Gafford than most people, but he gives you scheme versatility and you need scheme versatility. Once you get to this point, just throwing Bradley Beal on um, Jason Tatum and saying, okay, like, let's see what happens here. That's not going to work. So at a certain point, why don't, why aren't you blitzing ball screens with Daniel Gafford who can actually move his feet on the perimeter? Like he, again, he doesn't have great technique. His footwork is bad, but like, what are we doing? Like, what else are we going to do? Just have Jason Tatum snake a screen or have him, like, just do an in and out and get to the rim and finish? Like, Jason Tatum, credit to him. He's gotten so much better as a finisher through the past couple of years. Um, but, like, having Jason Tatum attack downhill against Robin Lopez is not something I want. Having Jason Tatum attack downhill against Alex Lennon is an absolute freaking disaster. So, like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Um, so, yeah, maybe Daniel Gafford's resting for the next game. Who knows? But Daniel Gafford against... Demontis Sabonis has been an unmitigated disaster in the post. Um, so I I really don't know what's going on. Uh, I really don't. Um, also, Garrison Matthews. It's like, so how many above average shooters um, does this Wizards team have? Uh, I believe the correct answer would be three. Uh, I'd say Howell Neto is probably about an average shooter. And like, he barely even counts because he only played 17 minutes in this game. Like, he clearly wasn't ready to come back. Um, so you have three above average shooters. Um, one of your above average shooters is also like a pretty solid on-ball defender. Um, he chases really, really hard around screens, which is exactly what you need when you're playing against someone 
like Kemba Walker or even someone like Jason Tatum. Um, he may not have the best instincts in terms of helping, but that guy has to play. And that guy's Garrison Matthews. Garrison Matthews has to play like 20 to 25 minutes. His minutes have to be attached with Russell Westbrook because Russell Westbrook really, really struggles when he's like, you have, you cannot give the other team some sort of out um, to play like Kemba Walker. When Kemba Walker is on the floor um, and Ish Smith is on the floor, you can hide Kemba Walker on Ish Smith and live with it. Um, if Russell Westbrook had Kemba Walker on him, Russell Westbrook, did a good job against Kemba Walker because Kemba Walker has no shot at guarding Russell Westbrook. Like, why are we giving the Celtics easy outs with Kemba Walker, who needs to be on the floor for them in terms of offense? Like, why aren't we just throwing out like Russ Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Dallas Rutans, um, Garrison Matthews, and um, Daniel Gafford? That's the line. That's the five man group I would have thrown out there. I don't know if that lineup has played a single possession together. Like, I doubt they have all season long. That is the lineup that I would be closing games with, or like. I don't know, at least like Rui. Like Rui only played 17 minutes in the game. Yeah, he had five fouls, but like at least he gives you a little bit of scheme versatility. He gives you something. Like he can stand out on the perimeter offensively. Um, like I don't know. Like I don't know. Maybe like go small. Why why not go small and switch everything? Like I guess defensive rebounding would be a problem at that point. But like you have to try something. Like at a certain point, you have to try something. Like they didn't even try doubling Jason Tatum when he touched the ball until like five minutes left in the fourth quarter when it was a 20-point game and it was over. Like, how are you not trying stuff throughout this game um, to try to win the game? Like, Scott Brooks is, I don't understand what he was doing. I do not understand what he was doing. He was, like, passively coaching this game. You have to actively coach. You have to try stuff. Like, um, Scott, or Brad Stevens, he was messing around with lineups all game long. He was messing around with how he wants to defend Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook all game long, trying to find the best option for his team. So once it came down to the third and the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, he would know what to do. He would know exactly what's work, what's working, and then he'd implement that, and then all of a sudden, he'd have a 20-point lead. Scott Brooks was just having the same exact plan that he came in with that sucked anyways, like I said, a thousand times, and then it didn't work. And then, are we, am, I, am I surprised by that? Obviously not, because this, like the second the first quarter started, it was like... The Celtics got out to a big lead. The Wizards came back. I don't know how. If we're being completely like Ishmith, um, <laughs> Ishmith is big, bringing the Wizards back as he was against the Hornets. Um, Celtics kind of figured it out. Brad Stevens is too smart for that. Um, they were just killing Ishmith on defense. Like, yeah, if Ishmith's going to p- bring the ball in transition, fine. We're just going to get back in transition and then we're just going to destroy him on defense. Um, and all of a sudden, it was all Celtics from there on out. Um, and that game was embarrassing. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, I, if Scott Brooks comes back next season, I, no one will be more upset than, um, me. Um, so I don't know what else I want to talk about. Uh, let's talk about, uh, actually how, how far into this are we? 27 minutes. Um, yeah. Okay. So I super, super quickly do want to talk about, um, Das Bertans. Um, look, Bertans is 0 for 7. Even if Bertans is shooting poorly, um, He's only going to shoot threes on like what fifteen percent of the possessions out there. Um, so if you're going to play him, he needs to be moving off the ball, or you need to utilize him in a situation where it makes the defense hard to help. Throw him in the weak side corner and run a pin down for him as your screen action is going. Have him run off tons of staggers. Have him run off more pin downs. Have him run more actions. Have him set screens, screens for Beal. Have him go screens. Why is the um, Dobson's ghost? exclusively an end-of-game play. Why isn't that a staple of the Wizards' offense? Why aren't the Wizards running double drag? Why aren't the Wizards running, running more horns? Why, like, double? imagine double drag with Bertans as the first screener, the second screener. How about the ghost flare that the Wizards run? Like, why aren't we seeing more actions to at least get the defense moving, at least get the defense thinking? Um, have, use him as a weapon. Weaponize him the way that um, 
you know, like Miami's weaponized Duncan Robinson. Like he's not that level of shooter, but he can be that level, like, well, not exactly that level, obviously, but he can be near that level of threat if he's used properly the way that someone like an actual like high level coach like Eric Spolstra uses um, Duncan Robinson. I'm trying to like the way that the Nets, like Steve Nash has done a phenomenal job using Joe Harris in threatening situations, um, particularly with where he places him on the floor. Steve Nash is phenomenally good with where he places guys on the floor, moving the chess pieces around to really, really, really stress um, the weak side defense um, of opposing teams and just absolutely like just kill them, kill the weak side defenders. It's really, it should not be that hard. Like it really shouldn't be. Um, and just like basketball is like a league where like the NBA coaches steal stuff from each other all the time. Just watch how the Nets utilize Joe Harris. Watch um, how Duncan Robinson is used. Just straight up steal that stuff. Like why? Like if Daniel Gafford's not being guarded on the perimeter, have Bertans fly off a handoff. If Russell Westbrook's not being guarded on the perimeter, have him set a hammer. Have him set a pin down for Dobbs Bertans. See how they guard that. Have him set a flare for Dobbs Bertans. That stuff is tough to guard if you have someone helping really far off. Um, why aren't we using Russell Westbrook as a screener? Does he not want to screen? Like he's not getting guarded. You have to do something. Use him as a cutter. Um, how about some stack? Like utilize these guys. Um, they're like, how about Bradley Beal or Russell Westbrook setting a screen for Bradley Beal and utilizing him in the short roll and just just demolishing teams like that's something i've been calling for all year long like where's the creativity here and like yeah Bertans was 0 for 7 but scott brooks didn't help him out at all and scott brooks didn't use him as a threat if he's out there and all he's doing is shooting occasionally like in transition or occasionally if he like comes off and pin down like that's not that's not enough like his threat of shooting should be able to overweigh how well he's shooting in the particular game if that makes sense like if duncan robinson shoots one for seven just the threat of him being out there was so massive that he still generally has a positive effect on his team. If that was Rattan shoots one for seven, it's just, it's a garbage game from him. And yeah, obviously part of that's on him because the shots happen to not go in the basket. But if you're Scott Brooks, you have to do a better job of using your weapon, especially the weapon that the Wizards paid so much money for. Like, I don't understand how we're at this point in the season. And it's like, we still don't know how to use Davis Bertans. Um, He's a movement shooter who's six foot nine. Like it, it, it shouldn't be that complicated. It just shouldn't be. Um, also, quick shout out to Ishmith. Like Ishmith is like the only guy who played a good game in this game. Like I've been critical of Ishmith all season long. Like Ishmith got picked apart a little bit defensively in that second half, but like at least he was out there. He was giving a insane amount of effort. Like he was pushing the pace. Um, he was getting stuff done offensively. Like if he had a mismatch, he like took it. He was making good decisions. Um, couple bad shots, but like you know whatever. Um, but like Ishmith played a good game. Like Ishmith's the only guy who I. I'm going to sit here and say, like, hey, that guy played a good game. Um, he played above what I expected him. Um, so shout out to him. Also, Daniel Gafford was like, he was all right in this game. Um, he just didn't play enough minutes. Um, he can't stay out of foul trouble. But, like, the activity level from Daniel Gafford was still there for this game. So shout out to him, I guess. Um, that's that's all I got to say for positive Wizards things. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll go through my notes, and then that'll be that um, for this episode. This ran a little longer, but obviously this was a big, important game, and I had to say some stuff, <laughs> say some stuff about it. Um, so yeah, the first note, um, the first note I wrote was Tatum is starting on Beal and Smart's on Russ weird, but like they messed around with their matchups a lot. Um, matchups are funky so far with a faster pace, a lot of cross matching on Kemba, but Boston not exploiting it yet. Um, they did eventually. <laughs> it's frustrating to see a hobbling Beal t- to be guarding Jason Tatum. Why? I wrote that like in, within the first three minutes of the game. Um, a lot of switching on the perimeter is leading to self-disparentation. Good things are happening with that for them. Um, that continued throughout. Um, Ish is a pretty good counter to weaknesses of Kemba Walker and Peyton Pritchard defensively. Yeah, um, that was more of a first-half story, but still. Um, 
I will never understand why Hutchison plays. <laughs> I wrote that in the first quarter. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure I said that. Uh, I, I say that every episode. Um, Celtics ball movement in this quarter is not very existent. I was talking about the second quarter. Yeah, like the Celtics offense really, really stalled in that second quarter um, just because there was a lot of iso ball, a lot of poor shot selection. Um, but eventually, like, shots started falling, and then that concern wasn't quite as big. Um, if you're going to put pressure on Itch Smith, then he should keep pushing it down his throat every single chance he gets. Um he did with that matchup. Like he played um, Peyton Pritchard right off the floor. Um, the Boston shot selection is really bad. Talked about that. Just said that. Um, Lennon's coming to the level against Tatum is really, really ugly. Still don't get why Beal's on him either. He can't chase over. Um, Beal's starting to get going. Fantastic sign. Um, yeah, so Beal got going a little bit in the second quarter, but that was kind of a short-lived thing. Um, Whistle running a drop against Kemba. Let's see if he gets going. He did. Um, does Brooks remember Garrison Matthews exist? <laughs> I wrote that like five minutes before he came in. Um, wizard switching is giving themselves a lot of problems. Come and Tatum just keep getting good looks. Um, yeah, like, and if you're gonna switch, like one through four, then switch it. How are there miscommunications if you're just switching everything one one through four? That doesn't make sense. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, having Russ on Ish and Ish on the weak side is just destroying, um, especially against a good team like the Celtics. Um, yeah, that's stupid. Um, there should never be a play aligned where Russell Westbrook and Ish Smith are on the weak side together. Um, doesn't make any sense. Um, Ish was good in the first half, but his defense is terrible right now. Um, still have to give him a shout-out, though. Um, he played well. Um, if the Celtics have, have Cornette, um, play, he should get cooked in the pick-and-roll. Like, he got cooked in, like, the two seconds that he did play. Um, let's see. As small as Walker is, he gives awesome effort defensively. Like, yeah, I really love Kemba Walker. Um, like, he wasn't great defensively, but just the effort he gives and then just, like, using his really quick hands to try to, like do some stuff out there um also his rotations are great like i really like him a walker um like not a great defender but like just a dude that like just absolutely like tries his hardest um makes all the right reads um just so limited by his size kind of tough um every rest of us were concerned is <laughs> rearing its ugly head in this one talked about that it only like five minutes left for um in the fourth quarter for the Wizards to start doubling um switching batons on table never makes sense that was my last note yeah so like ugly game um, I may or may not do another preview pod, um, for the next game, which will be winner go home. That's pretty exciting. Um, the podcast comes down to this wizards versus Pacers without three of the four, of the, or four of their five starters. Um, or I, I know, I think Brogdon is playing. So without three of the five starters, um, we will see how that goes. Um, so definitely check that game out. I th- believe it's at eight o'clock on TNT, um, on Thursday. Um, so the podcast coming out that night. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoopsWizardsPod. I'll see you next time.